Hello and welcome to season two of the Ed Armstrong podcast with guests. You've been waiting. You've been waiting for too long. Years. But we're finally here. Season two is here. Guests are coming on thick and fast. I say thick and fast. Hopefully two a month. As long as I can find guests that will come on. Um, and I'm excited to share these episodes with you and this first episode with you with my good friend slash meditation mindfulness master pat chirico uh we talked about a lot in this episode and i really think you're going to enjoy it we went all over the place we talked about meditation we talked about a little bit about mental health we talked about following your passion purpose doing something that lights you up um and we share Pat's story of how he went from doing an office job to doing what he does today. And it's put him on the path where he helps a lot of other people do the same thing. And it's, uh, he's a great man, very inspiring. He gets me to think a lot all the time whenever I talk to him. And uh, I hope you'll enjoy this conversation. It's part one, uh, because we were going, we went for over an hour and then I had to go on a client call. So we had to cut it a little short, but we're going to do a part two next week or this week coming. So great episode. I hope it gives you a lot of value. Um, if it does, as I always say, please share it with your family and your friends um, if you think it will help them. And uh, enjoy the show. Season one. Season one. I just ruined it. It was a great intro and I just ruined it. We're going to go with it because I'm not doing that bit again. Season two, episode one, the pack. Chirico episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to Pat Chirico. Pat, how are you? Thank you for joining me on today's episode. I'm doing very well, mate. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to this chat. It's going to be good. And you're in Melbourne, and I need you to give a little background for all the listeners that they've probably seen your viral videos because I share them all the time. Actually, I don't share them as much as I should. <laughs> but for my listeners, I want you to introduce yourself. A little bit about Pat. Who are you? Where'd you come from? It's like Who a am talk I? show. <laughs> yeah, where did I come from? That's a great question. Great place to start. Um, well, actually, the universe. The universe. We're going to get deep, <laughs> just so you know. I actually had my start in the corporate uh, sector. I worked as an accountant for close to four years, um, and didn't really enjoy my time there. I was probably living a life. Um, filled with a lot of stress and anxiety during that four years and probably didn't realize how bad things got until I actually left that um, corporate sector. And it was upon leaving that I started essentially a journey to find what I enjoyed doing in life. And that just became an opportunity for me to take care of myself first. So focusing on movement, became a PT and then got interested in meditation as a way to work with the stress and anxiety that I had. And over the last sort of six or seven years, that's led me to, yeah, coach people in both the movement and meditation space. So that's been my sort of journey in 60 seconds or less. I love it. And it's kind of, I mean, I knew of that a little bit, but it's, I think you're a fascinating person and story because you're probably, you're like an example of what I think a lot of people are probably feeling. Would you agree in that a lot of people are in jobs that they're like, I just hate this. And and it's a, you know, not nothing against corporate necessarily. There's some great corporate jobs, I'm sure. But a lot of people are like, I'm in a job I hate. You know, I'm just literally looking at the clock. When it's five <laughs> o'clock, I can go for some beers and 
and I'm pretty miserable and not very fulfilled and living for the weekend. And then you've turned that around to kind of now putting that into your professional life, helping other people do the same. Would that be fair to say, even if they're staying in their job or changing as well and transitioning into something else? Yeah, definitely. It's something that I do see a lot of with the people I work with, like that stress or that sort of restriction that comes into that work environment. And it's not all bad, like you said, but it is quite prevalent out there. I felt when I was working in that corporate space, I was really disconnected to the work. It wasn't meaningful in that way. And I think that's what people are looking for. And that's the missing link in some of those roles. And that's why it can be so difficult to find that motivation or find that joy in the work. Yeah. And what was the specific line of work? I never, I don't think I've ever asked you that. What was it? What was the field? What were you doing? I was working as an accountant, tax accountant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So number spreadsheets for most of the day. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. And again, to any accountants listening, nothing against accounting per se, but if you've got an inner desire, like you obviously had to, to chase, pursue something else, there's nothing wrong with that as well. If you're feeling that, you know, if you're at home, whatever job it is, and you're thinking there's something more. And I think you hit you hit the nail on the head with the fulfillment element. And I'm sure that's something we're going to touch on a lot today. Yeah. Because I think that's what it's about, isn't it? Feeling like you're adding something to the world rather than just wasting away. Yeah, exactly. Sorry to be mean. <laughs> and like you said it beautifully, it's not that accounting is necessarily a bad job. I know some accountants who absolutely like love the work and they've been sort of career-long accountants. But yeah, for me, it was that fulfillment piece. I just completely didn't connect with the work at all. And there was that hollow feeling every day. So that was that was pretty rough, yeah, to sort of try and get through. And do you get the hollow feelings? Have they completely disappeared in your new line of work? Or do you still, is the challenge a little bit different? Because this is something I certainly certainly relate to in that you can, you feel like maybe now I'm doing something where I'm fulfilled, and, mm. you know, even if it's on a small scale, but there are still the challenges that come with that that are totally different, yeah. but they're still big, big challenges yeah. that some people might not even want to think about, which is why, and you could touch on this, maybe a lot of people don't take that leap because they're like, it's going to be too hard. Yeah. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to start. That really, yeah, that question hits me because even now, like, that hollow feeling can still come, but it's very different. It's almost uh, in a pursuit of maybe trying to do more or be more or think that I have to achieve more. And you can sort of lose that connection with what I've actually set out to do in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that can sort of filter in, in those areas of my life. But when it comes to trying making that change and not knowing what to do, there's, I had a lot of fear in that as well. Like I had no idea what step to take. And it was more just, I need to look after myself. Maybe I should learn about like movement and meditation that might sound right so it's just throwing a dart at the wall and hoping that it landed and sometimes that's okay like as risky as it is um for most people i've spoken to and i've been on my journey that risk and reward typically pays off in the long run it's just that first step as you know that is the most horrifying step to take yeah and then i think feeling as if and this kind of relates to a mental health piece that I'm sure we might touch on, that I've touched mm-hmm. on a lot on the, the the shows previously. I think a lot of people try to future predict too far, you know, myself mm. included, where like, mm. okay, I'll take the step, I'll leave the job, I'll go and ask for help, 
I will, you know, have that difficult conversation with my partner, you know, loads of different life examples. But then people are like, yeah, but then what happens in a month's time? What do I, what's the next step? We're trying to do step 70 before we've done step one. And although it's so basic, a lot of people miss it. It's like, hang on, what's the first step? Put the letter of resignation in. (laughs) And then the next step will be, right, what do I find interesting? And I know it's not that easy, you know, but it really is. But I know it. there's a lot more that goes on in the head, financial, all this stuff. But would you agree that's a huge thing? People are like trying to solve your step 50 before step one. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And I had that experience as well where the mind does start to race as it does and it just starts to skip ahead so far into the future that we're essentially, well, at least I was, I was just making up the worst case scenario. Um, The mind loves creating the worst case scenario before it even knows what's possible. So a question I found asking myself, which was taught to me and I ask clients now is what's the most obvious step? Like what's the next most obvious step you can take? And like you said, it might just be opening up Word and typing up that letter. Mm. That might be all you do this week. And if that's a step, Mm. like step two will sort of appear and be clear when it's needed to come through. Yeah. Yes. And trusting and trusting that, um, I've gone in the red zone, so I'm hoping this is still recording. Can you still hear me? I'm going to edit this. Yeah, I got I've you gone still. back yeah. to yellow, so I went to red. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, if you hear me sometimes slow down, it's because I'm trying this new thing. So sometimes the internet falls out. <laughs> but I was saying- We're experimenting um, here. We're experimenting. We're going to go with it. Outtakes and all. Um, I did a great episode yesterday, solo one, by the way, while I'm on that topic, and I had a leaf blower outside. I had a <laughs> motorbike, and I was just like, we're just going to go with it. Yep. You know, it is what it is. Um, and now I've lost where I was going. Yes, trusting the, yes. the, you know, and again, I know it's a bit out there, and it's a bit like universal stuff, but it's like trusting that the next thing or person or step will reveal itself. Mm when the time is right but guess what none of it will unless we take the first one cheesy but bloody true so bloody true yeah um and that's something i'm trying to lean into more and more as well like knowing if i just take this step i will be supported like by the universe as cheesy as that is um because if i think to my past i've never not been supported by it and there's enough evidence there to suggest that I've got to this point and I'm okay. So yeah. <laughs> that trend should hopefully continue if I just keep trusting that I can take that step. So um, I'm trying to sit with that. that more and more going forward, especially um, with what's going on, not just in Melbourne, um, but yeah, in the world itself right now. Well, while we, I mean, we have to go there. Just give me a little, for the people back, I've got listeners all over the place. Mm. Azerbaijan, Bosnia and Herzegovina, shout out to you. Um, It's amazing, by the way. Like, you literally, I mean, there might only be one person there, but I'll take it. The, uh, it's like, um, I always say it's like Eurovision, you know, with all those, all (laughs) those, those countries. And that's like my audience. So for people who don't know what's Melbourne like at the moment, just give us the basic feeling and touch on what happened with the earthquake. I mean, unbelievable. To give us a bit of a backdrop. <laughs> well, it's been a big week in Melbourne. We officially became the most locked down city in the world yesterday. So um, gold medal performance down here in Melbourne to take that title. And two um, years after. It's yeah, crazy. I think it's 265, 266 days in lockdown, something like that. Wow. 
Um, so there is a lot of there's a lot of anger around, but I think that anger is covering up a lot of sadness and a lot of grief that people are feeling for just how much we've lost as a collective in the city. And instead of feeling that, we're sort of just projecting anger out onto the streets and the world at the moment. Um, so that's been pretty difficult to sort of see in terms of what was the most livable city sort of come to this sort of point now as well. Um, and then, yeah, to top it off, the earth decided to quake a couple of days ago, which we don't really have earthquakes here in Australia, especially down south. So that was a new experience for for all of us. I didn't really notice it was an earthquake until it finished because I just we don't expect it here. Um, but yeah, we had a bit of a rumble, which was a nice way to start the day on Wednesday. It's crazy. I mean, is that is that a sign from the universe telling? I mean, part of me thinks, again, we're getting deep already, but the people know me. They know I love all this stuff. Mm. But it's like, I can't help but think a lot of the stuff that happened has given the earth, Mother Earth, mm. God bless her, a bit of a break. Think about the lack of the, the air travel. You know, just imagine yeah. what it's, what like, I don't know if I heard this on some show. I don't know if it's absolute nonsense, but they were saying they've seen more fish in certain places that they've never seen before or they haven't mm. seen for a hundred oh, I don't know I'm making this up but the idea that nature's just had a nice deep breath and feeling a lot more calm with all the stuff that j just slowing down a little bit because yeah we're a pretty uh what's the word um insane species and uh, we're lovely but we've also definitely caused a lot of stress I yeah. think that would be fair to say and then maybe this earthquake, because it, it, it all started with the fires. I was thinking about it because you're an Aussie as well. Yeah, yeah. I remember it was the fires in January. As half of, three quarters of Australia was on fire. I'd never seen before. And then Schmovid kicked off. Uh, and insane. What a crazy few years. Um, yeah. But it's, well, I was going to say it doesn't seem to be getting better in Melbourne, does it? It's just more craziness. More craziness, yeah. And I agree with you, like as, as deep as it might sound, it, it does almost, it felt like a sign from Mother Nature when it happened on Wednesday, that earthquake, because we'd reached this point where um, everything was so divided. And I, we, I think we're trying to create so much safety, especially in Melbourne with, we're not going to go into that side, but with what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like Mother Nature said, well, you can't, keep yourself safe from me and let me show you what I can do um, just to shake us out of our own sort of mm. apathy in a way. So it was, a, um, or our own illusion. She, um, she just decided to let us know that who's in charge. It's the manifestation of the collective insanity. Mm, I mean, yeah. that's all it is. Yeah. Powerful. I got that from Eckhart Tolle. I was listening to him this morning to prep, <laughs> to prep for Pat's show. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's sad, but hopefully, I mean, Melbourne is a place that's probably the most like shared images all on social media. All I see, Melbourne at the mm. moment. I mean, yeah. usually, usually it's America. No offense, I love my American listeners, but usually something's happening in America yeah. that's being broadcasted across the world. So Melbourne. But anyway, enough about that. We're going to bring it back to some positive stuff. So how, why? You touched on it before. Did we get into movement, meditation? Was that a natural transition you've always loved? Or was it, like you said, mm. this is something I want to try for myself more and now it's become a bit of a, 
you know, a career as well as a, yeah. a hobby and a thing you must do for your mental health, physical health. Touch on all that, if you would. Yeah, it's a good question because it did start as a way where I started to explore movement and like, oh, this actually makes me feel a little bit better. What does movement mean? Just for our listeners, Mm. are you talking about lifting heavy weights? Are you talking about yoga? Are you talking about all of it? What does movement mean to you? Yeah, so for me, I started going to the gym, um, lifting weights. It's something I hadn't done before. I played a lot of sport growing up, but I never had been in a gym setting. And going there and just sort of challenging my body to that degree and just leaving a gym feeling, in a way, euphoric. I felt Mm. happy. I felt strong, centered sort of grounded and all that pressure of the day that was coming from corporate life sort of was left in the gym and in a way that was me distracting myself from the problem but at the same time it was the first step to going okay something here helps me Um, so leaving the corporate world that was where my sort of path took me to explore that more and see why was it helping me and how can I learn about this not just for myself but then to possibly turn this into something um so i studied the pt course and sort of found my way into gyms and then working with people in gyms and hearing their stories i'm like well everyone in a way has a similar story of like stress and anxiety that i had i wasn't alone in that which often we can feel that way that we are alone um in that suffering and then that led me towards meditation okay well how do i actually work with this with people and then with my own self so um, that was sort of the next big step in my sort of exploration. I love it. And so meditation, was that a curiosity? I've heard about it. I keep reading about mm. it. And I want to like tell me about that because I've got a fascinating story about meditation, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah. Like, how, how did you get into it? And how did it, where did it start? Because I think it's one of those things a lot of people are scared of, like I was. Yeah, I was too. I was like, I don't know if I need this thing just to sit there for 10 minutes and do nothing but it started to become like a buzzword and i was like oh what is this then like and how long ago was this sorry to interrupt uh it would have been 2014 2015 for the the first time i meditated (laughs) um properly and i'm like okay well what is this and i started looking it up and i think headspace had just come out or they were only a couple years old at the time um and someone had told me about it i'm like oh I'll check it out. And I had that like back then, the 10 days of mindfulness, they, you do it each day and it gets longer and longer. Yeah. And that was literally the first 10 days of me meditating on Headspace. And I'd found that after that 10 minutes, I just felt both calm and energized at the same time mm-hmm. um, and clear, which was rare wow. for me back then. So I was like, oh, there's something to this whole meditation thing. It's doing something to my brain. I don't know what it is, but I'm mm. intrigued and curious to find out more. And um, so that was where that path started. That's amazing. That is very different to my first experience. And Headspace, I mean, they really should be sponsoring this show, the amount of times I've talked <laughs> about Headspace. So maybe, who knows, this is the universe putting that out there. Yeah. Maybe they'll join us. I actually sent them an email yesterday. Do you want oh, to awesome. my podcast? Who knows? But that it's exactly the same as you in that that was my first start was guided. Mm. It's guided meditation because I think it's fair. And I just want to share this to my listeners because it's something I talk a lot about. And you know, this show's kind of a mental health theme as well as a physical and, mm. and improving life in general. But meditation was something for me that 
totally forced upon me in in a way because and I've oh, wow. t- talked openly about this on the, on the show in the first few episodes about you know having real challenges with mental health and then going to a therapist and <laughs> him saying basically for part of your recovery meditation is going to be amazing and I'm and I'm and I didn't know what that meant or I did I know but I was it was I was in a position enough to be like I want to get better and I need to figure this out mm. so I'm going to do whatever it takes it was one of those kind of things but then I think like a lot of people on the health journey you think right well I'll just do one or two sessions and it's going to fix me um and it's one of those things where five years later I'm still frustrated I'm still figuring out <laughs> if it even works I'm still nope. figuring out how to do it properly mm. um and I'm just like what is this is this even a thing but it's just a constant evolution isn't it and I always yeah. tell people it's the practice just practice yep. whatever that looks like to start with the rest will follow and you'll start learning more and I think it's fair to say Pat is a bloody meditation specialist. And that would be fair to say, wouldn't it? That That is what you specialize in. That would be fair to say, instead of just strictly movement and personal training, you are a meditation teacher. So I think it couldn't be better to have someone like you on today, which is why I wanted you on to talk about this stuff. Yeah. And I love speaking about it. It's um, safe to say it has changed my life dramatically. And I see it doing the same for so many people now. So being able to help people as a teacher break down the barriers to meditating like you said like after five years it can still be difficult why is it not working why am i still frustrated and actually paving the way for people to find that calm and peace that can come with meditation um yeah i'm just so grateful to be able to share that um with the public and even share that here now with you um, which is really cool on this podcast because there are so many barriers to meditation um it can be really difficult to even start the practice and like most things in life we practice but we want it to be perfect where there really is no perfect with meditation i don't know if you Mm -hmm. can really get it right um so yeah it's it's a fascinating exploration and i think we practice things a lot of time for the result don't we Mm -hmm. you know why are we going to the gym i'm going to get big muscles or i'm i'm doing a diet because i want to drop body fat Mm. So that same psychology is taken into meditation, whether we're yeah. aware of it or not. And it's, I'm doing this to achieve something. But yes. here's the beauty, and you know more about this than I do. It's not about achieving anything. It's about making it a daily practice, mm. making it something that's part of your life that then transitions, if that's the right word, into your daily life when you're not sitting down, legs crossed, meditating. Mm. And this is something that took me years to figure out. I used to do box ticking exercise, right? Meditate 10 minutes, done. On to the next. But it's not, and then it took me five years to realize, oh, it's not just about when my eyes are closed. It's the lesson I'm learning there to learn when I'm walking down the street, when I'm in the post office, when I'm, you know, in the gym, whatever I'm doing, I can use that same approach to, to listening to my mind, hearing thoughts, not buying into everyone and letting them pass. I'll have this analogy, I stole it straight from Headspace, cars on the road. That's kind Mm. of the idea. Mm. Our thoughts are like the passing cars and most of us are jumping in everyone, the red one. And what does that one mean? What does that one mean? I'm going to jump in that one. And then like in my life, I would take a car all the way to Melbourne from Sydney (laughs) and I'd come back going, where was I? I I was not where my two feet are. And it's understanding that we don't have to buy into every thought. We don't have to chase every thought. Yeah. Um, is, does that, you know, well, I know it makes sense to you, but am I making sense? 
Oh, a hundred percent. I've heard you speak about it on your podcast before. I think you gave the example once of being in the grocery store in a big line and just taking that moment to, mm. to drop in and to meditate. Um, and that reminds me of that idea that we practice in these perfect conditions at home. Mm. Um, but the, the real sort of crux of that is to take that practice out into the real world, like you said, and apply it sort of in game mode out there, like the, at home's training and out there's the game. And if we can apply our practice into the real world, then we can find a sense of calm 24 hours a day and not just for the 10 minutes that we're sitting mm. on the mat. And, and that's, yes. that's it's the challenge because yeah. out there in the real world, that's when we're going to get hit with all the stress and all the triggers and all the everything in between. So... But it's such a good, um, just, I don't know what the word is, but it's such a good analogy for life, mm. we'll say. But, you know, because, for example, I'm sitting exactly what you're talking about. I'm sitting in meditation. Nothing's around me. It's quiet. Mm. My mind's not too busy either. This is good. This feels yeah. good. Nice, calming music, few candles on, some incense. Beautiful. Mm. And then the leaf blower. <laughs> and I can't stand leaf blowers, but the leaf blower, the worst machinery in, ever invented. I talked about this yesterday on my podcast. The worst machine doesn't do anything, just moves leaves from the neighbor's house <laughs> to my house. Never mind. And it goes on. And what is that? That is a frustration. That's a trigger, if you will. That's, a, mm. that's an unwanted thought. That's someone, a person pissing you off. I mm. think I'm allowed to swear. Um, and that's a beautiful transition straight into when you're walking down the street and you're feeling all blissful and happy and then you stub your toe or someone, you know, you're driving, great example, and someone tells you off because you're going a bit slow or you're getting angry. Mm. So there are these triggers, leaf blowers, if you will, throughout your whole day. And it's about understanding that it's never going to be a perfect, peaceful moment, but we can create, we, we can deal with these external things in a helpful and healthy yeah. way through the practice of meditation. I mean, I never would have been talking like this had I not gone through all this stuff for the last five years. And it, although it is a bit out there for some people, it's got to be the truth and the answer because it's just so, it just makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It just makes sense, all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I, I fully agree with you, like it being a sense of truth or the answer because we can only really create that peace in ourselves. We can't, like if we rely on the outside world to create peace for us, Oh, we're, we're not going to be in a good way. We're going to really struggle with that. So if you can create it in yourself and take that sense of peace within you out to the world, you're going to be living from a place of freedom and clarity no matter what the world throws at you. So yeah, you're right. In terms of it being the answer, it's the best answer I've come across so far in, in sort of helping me and the people I've been lucky to work with do that. So in your experience with with your clients, with the people you help, two things. Where do people start? Because people listening to this, you know, I'm no meditation expert. I'm no therapist. I always say this on every episode. But where do people start? That's the first thing. And then secondly, I'm even not sure I want to ask this because I, it doesn't even matter what the benefits are. But what 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 helps you the most? And also the clients you work with who might be beginners. What do you think best place to start is and then the benefits and the 
the mm. things that come out where people are just like, I'm so glad I tried this because of. Yeah. I think the best place to start before you even put on an app or get a guided meditation is to, as I touched on earlier, is to look at what the barriers are and dismantle them before you even practice. Like the barrier of that your mind has to be quiet or that you have to meditate for a certain period of time or it has to go this perfect way and you have to achieve some sort of outcome, like breaking down those walls. Because for me, when I first meditated, I was like, am I doing this right? Uh, should this be happening? Um, I don't know if this is correct. And that would frustrate me early on. Yeah. Um, so breaking down those barriers and knowing that whatever happens, that's the practice. Whatever comes up, comes up. Um, just to give yourself that freedom to explore. So from a start point, I often tell people, go in with an open mind and just be curious as to what happens. There's no right or wrong. Like You, you cannot stuff this up no matter how hard you try. You can't get it wrong. I love um, it. Just before you go to that second yeah. point, that's why I have Pat on, ladies and gentlemen, because I would have said, just get, and this is what I do say, guided app is a great place to start. And it is, but I, that, yeah, what yeah. you talked about there is even better because it's, my experience with the guided app is it's it's very hard to get the transition from that to your everyday life. But with what you're talking about and maybe going into the breath first mm. and the body, and again, you're going to touch on this more, I'm sure. That's much more manage. That's much more simple in a way to bring that into your life. Because when I've got Andy from Headspace, shout out Andy, sponsors of the show. I don't have him when I'm in the post office. But yeah. if I'm okay, it's just a time to be quiet, calm, into the body, focus on the breath. I can do that anyway. Mm. So that's a little insider trick for you all out there listening. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you for that because that's a great point. Yeah, and once you've sort of looked at that and sort of looked at what might stop you from practicing and sort of dismantle those barriers, then there's two ways you can go. Like you said, you can go down that guided route. Nothing wrong with that. If you find you get benefit from it, I did for a long time. That's a beautiful route to go down. I often encourage people, this was taught to us as well through the course, that those instructions in those guided meditations, they're not rules, they're suggestions. So if your mind doesn't want to follow that today, doesn't feel quite right to connect to it, you do what feels best for you. They're just guiding you. They're not telling you what mm. to do. So give yourself that freedom as well when you're practicing early on just to see what happens as you're guided. Another start point is to go down the more mindfulness route, which again, you've touched on through like the shopping center in, in, the, in the car where it's less formal than a meditation, but you can do it anywhere and anytime just to take note of where you are in that present moment. What can I see? What can I hear? How am I breathing right now? And those little things every couple of hours just to connect in and bring yourself back to presence, that's meditative in nature. And if you can do that 10 times a day, you get a really peaceful day. Mm. Um, and that strengthens the muscle of mindfulness as well. So you don't have to have a formal sit-down practice. You don't have to have a guided practice. Mm -hmm. You can just allow yourself to come back to the present moment and tune in wherever you are at any time. And that makes it more accessible because you no longer have to set aside time. You can it. do it wherever you are. I love that. Yes. And now the skeptics listening, I hope that's a word. Um, and my thinking mind is going, yeah, but Pat, why? Why do I need to look at what's around me? I've heard people say it, look at the trees, smell the roses. Why? Why am I doing that? What's mm. the purpose? 
that's a brilliant question and i get it a lot as well like why connect to my senses or why connect to my breath what's it going to do for me and if you think of um, stress and anxiety and what's happening in those moments the mind is either lost somewhere in the past or it's raced off into the future every second or every split second that we're focusing on the present moment what we can see what we can hear how we're breathing whatever it might be is one second less that we're in the past or the future or the worry of the past in the future so every second of your day you come back to what's here now that's one less second of worry and anxiety in your life and if you can strengthen it up to two seconds tomorrow five seconds on sunday and in a year's time five hours of your day is bliss and peace that's huge um and the more we do that the more we train our brain to sort of decrease that alarm system of anxiety and we become more present day to day and we get to enjoy what's here now rather than sort of being stuck in that past and future thinking i love it i love it and people thinking but pat yeah, that's great. But how am I going to do my everyday tasks? Because I've got to think. You're telling mm. me not to think right now, but you're telling me to look at the roses and the trees, which is lovely. But I've got work to do. I've got calls to make. I've got relationship, people in my relationship to talk to and deal with. You know, I haven't got time for that. I haven't got time to be worrying about that. What do you say to that person? Yeah. Because they're everywhere, myself included. <laughs> Well, especially with work, like bringing, not so much bringing formal meditation into your workplace, because if you're on a Zoom meeting like this, it's very hard to just uh, close down your eyes for 10 minutes and tell your boss, uh, just give me 15 here, whatever it might be. But you can bring mindfulness into that space. Let's say you're on a meeting, um, you can just be mindfully in tune and just listen intently to what that person's saying without trying to check your emails, without trying to check your social media and actually being present with that person. You can just notice how you're supported by the chair you're on. Just feel that tactile experience between yourself and the chair. And if I do that while I'm here talking to you, that's me extending my awareness. I can see you clearly. I can feel my body in this moment. And I'm very present in that rather than thinking about what do I have to do after this podcast type thing. So um, you can bring that into your work day and even notice how you're feeling through your work day like you might be doing a task that's making you feel agitated or frustrated and just be aware of that this task is pissing me off and that's okay like just bring an awareness to how you're feeling and these little things you can do while you're busy still allow you to be mindful of what's occurring inside this busyness I love it. And it's so easy for, because I have a lot of like, you know, we'd call them high performers, high achievers that listen mm. to this show. And what you talked about there and something that I'm fascinated by is that when you're, because we all hear about it in sports, flow state, fully mm. present, being, you know, um, tunnel vision, whatever. But all that stuff is exactly what we're talking about. It's being where your two feet are, fully focused, fully engaged in the action or the task or whatever it is you're doing and a lot of people i find are doing that without knowing they're doing it like they'll yeah. they'll play a game of sport and they'll be like oh, i just was so there i was so yeah. i was present you know nothing else in the world mattered so the point i'm making to, to listeners is i'm agreeing totally with pat and and sharing with you that for those of you worried that this will make you 
somehow more you know out of it Mm -hmm. it's actually the opposite it's bringing you more fully into what you are doing in every moment because as my great friend Eckhart says there is only ever this moment now the future is the present when it arrives Um, when we're thinking about the past it's the present every moment Mm -hmm. it's a series of those so if we can be present and in the moment in each moment and I know it's easier said than done Therefore, whatever you're doing is going to come from a place of inspired action rather than thought action, which is better. And for those of you thinking, yeah, but I need to think, you can be thinking in the present moment too. And that can can come from a better place. That's what intuition is. Would Mm, you agree? That's where these light bulb moments come from. Yeah. Powerful stuff. This is gold, by the way. Fantastic. I hope you're enjoying it. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head, that intuition, like if you give yourself that mindfulness space in the present moment where there is that space, that's where that intuition rises up. That's where you can really hear it. And all of a sudden, like, oh, this is gold. Like this thinking in this space, this is some, these are great thoughts. Where have these been all my life type thing? Um, And all you had to do to find it was just bring yourself back to now. It's all there. It's already within you. I love it. It's in the shower, you know, most yeah. common. You've got nothing else to do. Great ideas are coming there. I love it. So we've covered, so the second part of that question, the benefit, what do you find most people, because I can still hear people going, I get it. Oh, you got Pat on. It sounds amazing. But, you know, what's it, apart from what we've obviously talked about, it's going to help you be more fully aware of the moments. What do you think most of the people you work with say after a week or two or months that, why they're glad they did it and what their benefits are Mm. outside of what we talked about being even more present in your everyday life. What else is there? The biggest benefit I see with people and I've seen this in myself as well is just that level of self-awareness as to, okay, what is actually causing this stress? What is actually the root of this anxiety? Like why does my mind want to get stuck in the past or future? And actually being able to address that through mindfulness and meditative spaces and when they start to explore that root cause that's when that real sort of transformation begins to occur and that's when they can take their practice and apply it to the real world so it's that level of awareness as to what's happening for them underneath all the layers of what we see on that surface level so that's probably the biggest thing um and how that changes their relationship with themselves and the relationship with people and then the world i love it oh my god i mean something i talk about a lot on here is thinking mind observing mind Mm. and again if i'd have i mean i wouldn't have said them if someone had said those things to me five years ago i'd be like what are you talking about there's one mind and i'm in (laughs) here and i am me and all my stories and my problems that's that's ed that's me yeah but the more i've gone on my own journey and i'm very grateful with you know and i'm not going to talk about it all again listen to the first episode if you want to know more about my my personal story but the the biggest thing with it was i was just so in my head i was just totally stuck in my mind and unfortunately it wasn't a nice place to be it wasn't happy thoughts it was very dark scary thoughts and my Mm. issue was i was just ruminating that was my kind of compulsion if you will it was just rumination of thought. And like I joked about the car, I would take one thought and I'd travel with it for hours. And, you know, I I went to places where 
I was so in my head. There were times where I couldn't go out of my room until I'd basically justified in my own mind that I was okay. But that could be an hour long. That could be me in my head thinking, oh, but what about that? What does that mean? What is... And the long story short is I was stuck in my head, totally attached to every thought that came in, totally identified mm. with those thoughts being me. Yeah. And if they're bad, that means Ed's bad. That means Ed's useless, bad, whatever, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But I share that because going through that put me on the path to figure out that I need yeah. to understand that maybe there's something more to this. And then I, with, with my great therapist, who I've talked about a lot on this show, he made me start to understand about this observing presence and that we can be, or if we're going real deep, we are the observing presence, um, the observer of the thinker, you know, mm. the, the two ideas. And that's where meditation is. And that's the power. Yeah. And I think, as you say, there's two benefits. There's, you can be more focused in your everyday life, but most importantly, you can start to see a lot of the BS for what it is and the thoughts for what they are. Because mm. let's be honest, anxiety, depression, mental health is more prevalent than ever. And yeah. if you, you know, if you'd agree, it's probably to do with a lot of this stuff we're talking about. Fear, anxiety, not enoughness, scared, fearful thoughts. So, it, so this is the stuff we have to figure out. This is more important than bicep curls. This is what I always say. So I don't know where I was going with that, but do you know what I mean? In that that's the best, that's the biggest benefit. You start to see a lot of the stuff for what it actually is. And then when you can separate yourself from the thought, suddenly you're powerful. Yeah, that's- Clip that, I clip that, that was good. Yep, timestamp, <laughs> clip it, whatever you have to do to it. Like, yeah, that's a great point because when you create that separation, like you said, from your thoughts, you start to see things clearly for the first time. And I always say people in that space between the observer, where you can where you sit back in that seat of the observer and the thought in that sort of chasm you create the thoughts just fall away they, they're, in a, they're not attaching to you anymore and the mind just naturally on its own without any effort whatsoever on your behalf just comes to a place of quiet you don't have to force it to be quiet you don't have to wish for it to be quiet you simply just observe the mind with a sense of curiosity and compassion for whatever's there and it naturally just takes care of the rest and everything starts to fall away because finally we can see the mind with clarity. I love it. And it's the idea what, when, what just came into my head that you were talking there is feeding, feeding the thoughts and mm. the opposite of not feeding them. Um, and that's kind of what you're talking about. We Because, and again, I, I always use my example just because I went through it and I think yeah. it's something that a lot of people can probably relate to in varying degrees in that I kind of was like, you know, almost feeding the monster in a way that was the monster of my more dark, more scary, more fearful thoughts. It was mm. kind of the more I would try to analyze the more I was just feeding it. And I talked about this on the first episode. It became this mm. massive monster that then yeah. had a control over me even more. Um, so what you're talking about, and I think, and I really want to stress this to people, is the power of this stuff is that whatever your quote unquote monster is or the whatever those thoughts are that take up a lot of your life, this is your way of starting to change the relationship with them. And 
almost changing the diet with the monster, you know, not giving it bloody <laughs> steroids like it, I was. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, seeing it for what it is. And, that, and then that compassion comes in and then you can start to take inspired mm. action again. It comes back yeah, to that first point that. we were saying. I love what you said there about like analyzing it and that just almost feeding it and making it worse. Um, I've experienced that as well. We start to create anxious thoughts about feeling anxious, which creates more anxious thoughts and it starts to loop around and spiral out of control. And Mm. I think we're trying to, in a way, like analyze it, intellectualize it. And we just have to sit back and feel it really. And it's that difference between sort of knowing it here and knowing it in here, in the heart, that if we can create that space, it'll take care of itself, like I mentioned earlier. So I think we can overanalyze our thoughts sometimes, which just fuels the fire. Yeah. And it's that, you know, it's it's this word ego that gets thrown around a lot. And I think a lot of people aren't fully aware. Mm. And I'm not saying I am either, but you know, a lot of people think ego is, you know, if you're an egocentric, you're, you're in love with yourself. I think that's the most common, mm. um, you know, term or, or definition to, in a lot of people's yeah. minds. But the more you learn about this kind of these spiritual practices, spiritual teachers, um, they call that's the thinking mind. That's the I, that's the total identification with the thinking mind, the noise in the head, the um you know, me and my life story and my life situation, all my problems. And it's, and, and that feeds on more of the same, you know, yeah. like you, exactly like you said, and like we were saying before, it's, it kind of feeds on that. It wants, that's how it survives in, in a, in a, in a way. Yeah. It's like, it wants you to keep analyzing and then see that there's a real problem here. <laughs> yeah. But oftentimes there isn't. And oftentimes mm. it's you stepping back and saying, and I know this is advanced class for a lot of people. I know it's not easy, but this is you stepping back saying that thought that says I'm useless or I'm no good or I shouldn't be here anymore. It's absolute nonsense. Mm. And we can step back and we don't have to analyze it. <laughs> and then, like you say, when we create the gap, I did a podcast on this very topic yesterday that allows us to then take inspired action from mm. that place yeah. rather than continuing down the spiral of, I'm no good. I'm useless. There's no point of me trying or what, whatever the story is that people tell themselves and whatever the, those thoughts are. Um, I just, I find it fascinating. I really do. Yeah. It's, it's an incredible journey. Um, and like you said, it's not easy. And if you're listening to this thinking, Oh no, like well, where am I supposed to start? Like it's, it's okay if it's messy and uncomfortable when you first start to step back from your thoughts. It's okay if you observe the, the first thought and then after that you get lost in them again. It's a practice as we've said a couple of times down this podcast. And the more you practice it, the easier it becomes to sit back in that seat observing what is occurring for the mind. So it's not something you'll do in 10 minutes and magic it's all healed and it's all perfect it does take it does take work there is sort of a work element to this um and that's where that compassion piece is so important because it's too it's so easy to become frustrated at ourselves in this process i should be doing this better or this should be easier and in that should we're guilting ourselves essentially for not getting it right but this work requires like a radical compassion for yourself that I'm probably going to stuff this up a hundred times before I start to sort of build this pattern. And that's okay because this is worth every 
sort of stuff up. I mean, like you can't really stuff up meditation anyway, but it's worth every failed practice because the reward on the other side is literally your own freedom. Mm, I love that. Wow. And even, and this is why I write emails on this stuff all the time. This is why I do these shows. Um, even let even people who are listening to this going, I literally have no idea what you guys are talking about. Thinking mind, observing mind, ego. Well, what is all this stuff? Monsters inside me. You blokes sound mental. And I don't, <laughs> I, you're, you're probably right. I am mental. I've talked about that many times before. But even if you're aware, even if it's the first time you've heard someone talk about, wow, the, the thoughts, the, the noise, I can actually distance myself from that. Mm. That isn't me. That's, I mean, that is a revelation. Yeah. That is, that's huge. Um, and, and, you know, in, in for my, you know, mental health stuff, and as I say, we've talked about it a lot on here on previous episodes, but when I understood that, that it was a thing, it was a condition, it was not me, ah, powerful. Because mm, then suddenly yeah. there's the space and there, there's the gaps that you're not, you aren't those things. Yeah. And I mean... That is that is life changing for people. So even if this is the first time you've heard about this, and you're just thinking there's something in this, and you go and do your first guided meditation, or you go and follow Pat on Instagram, Pat, what's the handle? Just while I'm thinking about Pat Chirico, just my name, just nothing Pat, simple. Pat does loads of morning mindfulness practices, and you know, just join in on those. And I mean, that is, you know, that was worth this this episode. If, mm-hmm. if we get one person doing that, yeah. Um, I think it's fascinating. I really do. One thing I try and do for people, like especially from that mindfulness perspective, when it comes to thoughts and creating that space, as you're saying that this idea came to mind, um, is we practice like labeling those thoughts really early on in their in their journey as a way to create separation. Mm-hmm. So it's just going, okay, whatever thought comes in, just give it a label. And you'll notice when you give it that label, that instantly creates separation. And it allows you to see it a little bit more clearly. Oh, that's, that's planning. That's what that thought is. Oh, that's remembering or worrying. Mm. And it's okay to plan, remember, or worry. There's nothing wrong with those things. So labeling your thoughts when they're coming up in meditation can be a way to help you build that awareness that you're thinking, for one. Mm-hmm. But to act as a way to clean up some of the clutter. Like, as you notice a thought, you sort of file it away. Mm. And you go, okay, cool. That's where that belongs. And it's not me. It's just this thing coming in and out. So um, that's one area I encourage people to start with or one practice I encourage early on. Yeah. And that what, you know, for the people listening, what is that you're doing? That's you observing. That's yeah. the observer. At, you know, we cut, I'm conscious of not, you know, messing up because I don't know, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but that's the very nature of you being that observer yeah. to those things, thoughts, feelings, you know, there, there's, um, in headspace, God, they should be paying me. Um, they, <laughs> they, you know, there's a practice exactly what you're saying about labeling where they say thought, feeling. Mm. And now yeah. I get quite hung up on those because I'm still a big thinker. So I'll start analyzing, was that a feeling? Was that a thought? And I'll be like, stop it. You're, too, you're trying to do too much. Um, but the idea of, yes, labeling as a start as well. I mean, but that's more advanced class. Let's just get you. What would you say, Pat? Starting with the breath. Starting, because Eckhart talks about going into the body, mm. but that's quite yeah. complex. 
How would you say to someone now who's listening, maybe they're, maybe they're, oh no, I was about to say, maybe they're driving. We do not want them to be doing meditation <laughs> practices while they're driving. Yep. Maybe they're out on a walk, walking their dog. What is something they could do to, to feel that inner body now or the breath? Because that's quite complex for, for, for newbies who are like, I don't have what, an idea what these guys are talking about. Yeah. Um, I always encourage people to start with one conscious breath, like one breath where you can just even just close your eyes or even with your eyes open, just feel the air pass through the nostrils and feel the air land in the body. If you can take one conscious breath and just feel what that's like to follow the journey of the breath in and out, it might take four seconds max. Like that is a meditative, mindful peaceful moment that's you going into your body landing back mm -hmm. in the body and to Eckhart's point I agree because that's sort of what I encourage clients to do a lot is we can get caught up in the thinking in meditation and trying to think our way out of whatever it might be but if we can feel it um, that's that's a that's a speed route to our healing it's a lot easier to let go of the feeling and once the feeling collapses the thoughts collapse as well mm. so if you can allow yourself just to start that practice with one breath where you notice the body and that breath connection that'll set you off uh hopefully on a journey back yeah back inside and he has he has a lovely practice as well um Eckhart, god bless him in the morning a lovely one i still haven't got this one down but for, for anyone listening first thing in the morning and before you go to bed at night rather than looking at the phone rather than doing again i'm a hypocrite because i'm still on my phone way too much in the morning and the evenings but feel you know he, he talks about going into your left foot for example mm, feel yeah. what that feels like does it feel alive feel the energy i know this is getting deep but you know go into your right foot again it can be eyes closed it can just be really you know peaceful you're just calm right hand what does that feel like yeah left hand and again these are just practices of you trying to understand that there's more and that's a great way to get into the body yeah and you might be thinking why are we telling you to get into the body often that's a great way to get out of your head which is where a lot of the challenges are of the thoughts we make about what this means what that person said why they said it we just add all this suffering unnecessarily to things that are going on. So yeah. a lovely practice is if I'm getting angry, I, which happens a bit too much, I can go into the body and it kind of slows the thinking down. And then I can make a choice. Do yeah. I want to continue being angry because mm. that's not really helping? Or do I want to just get over it? Yeah. And move on to the next thing. And it does work, not all the time, but it really does work. The answer it's is, yeah, 100% it is, it is powerful. The answer is in the body. Um, if you think of like when you're feeling an emotion like that anger, you feel it in your body. Like the thoughts might be in the head, but the actual visceral feeling of anger, it's in your stomach or it's in your chest. Like you feel something happening in your body, especially stress and anxiety. Like it's that tightening in the chest that you feel. So it's the root of it is sitting here somewhere. And if we can breathe into that space for a few moments, like you said, you can drop into it and then you give yourself that power and command to choose a better outcome um, for yourself. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I always come back to that in line with your values or in line with the person you want to be. I always say those things because most of us don't want to be angry or, you know, arguing with people all the time. Most of us, we want to be calm, you know, at peace, whatever Mm -hmm. that means. But, you know, just, just going through life, you know, not free of challenges and stress because that's never going to happen. But moving in a direction that serves us, serves our family, serves our career, our relationships. And I think all the problems come from when we're basically something happens and then the thought comes in and then we add to that and then we get angry or then we have a fight or so really what we're talking about here is, is everything because this is the foundation of creating a good life, a healthy life, happy life, good relationships, good career, all that stuff. Amazing. Mm. Amazing. This is powerful stuff. I'm learning things today. Um, And this is an example, I hope you'll agree, of two people fully being in this conversation and and great stuff flowing. I love it. I want to talk about gratitude, Mm. abundance. I mean, this is a topic me and Pat always talk about. Um, And it's a topic that I think is is amazing and in, and and something that I think more people need to discuss but I also think it's a bit of a you know buzzword as well certainly in the professional development world where everyone's like yeah okay be grateful fantastic yeah. I want to know your take on gratitude what is gratitude how do people bring more of it into their life because I think it's bloody everything oh yeah okay where can we go with this because my mind just went to a thousand places just then um I think first I'll touch on, like you said, it's become a buzzword in that professional development world. And now you're just told to be grateful. Um, Write three things you're grateful for every day. And it's become a to-do list item, really. And we almost, well, I've seen people through the work I do almost force themselves to be grateful. Like, I don't like my job, but at least I have a job. So I'm grateful for that. That's not gratitude. Come on, I'm so glad you talked about that. Um, that's denying how you're feeling. It's denying your reality. And it's actually creating a loop that is the opposite to gratitude. It's not grateful at all. It's almost just uh, succumbing to your own suffering, uh, whatever. Um, It's a a resignation, really. And you're only allowing yourself to feel grateful at someone else's expense. Exactly, yeah. That's huge. So you don't always have to be grateful for if you didn't leave something that you don't feel grateful for mm-hmm. you don't have to write it down you can feel whatever that is instead and work through that and through that feeling you might find gratitude finds you on the other side mm-hmm. once you work through it mm-hmm. um so that's the first thing i wouldn't force yourself to find things you're grateful for um at the expense of others or at the expense of how you're actually really feeling in the moment so that'd be and it's one. more of a feeling isn't it this is something i'm still learning i yes, usually yeah. go i'm grateful that i can i'm healthy right and i am yeah. truly but i think there's another level another yeah. layer of truly and again guess what it comes back to all these things we're talking about being present being with the trees right as as um woo woo if that's the word <laughs> as that sounds but being out in nature or wherever you are and feeling that. So rather than going, I'm grateful that I live in a, you know, amazing country, 
being out in nature in the place that you're at and mm. feeling that the sun the wind the, yeah. the trees whatever it is but the feeling I, i'd love that you touched on that because i think that's what a lot of people miss it's a tick box it's another ticking box exercise yeah. i'm mm. grateful i have a job i'm grateful i have food i'm grateful i can drink water all lovely things but we can yes. go a level deeper all lovely things yeah we can and i'm so glad you mentioned feeling as well because it's this that's changed my gratitude practice and actually made it something that has benefited me because I was doing the tick box thing before I go to bed just quickly write three things down close the book mm. I did it job I've done been, <laughs> job done took about 15 seconds but at least I'm grateful for something today mm. but it's actually making it a practice writing that first thing down and then closing down the eyes and how's it actually make me feel like what does this feel like to be grateful for having food to eat and almost feeling that sense of gratitude and happiness and joy rise up from like my stomach into my heart mm. and like feeling it and really being with that sense of gratitude. And that's an embodiment practice. It's not just what I'm thinking what I'm grateful for. I'm actually feeling it. And I'm sort of embodying that gratitude and bringing that out to the world rather than just writing it down. So um, I'd encourage people to connect to the feelings and sensations that arise from whatever it is they're grateful for. Mm. I love that. Amazing. And tell me about or your thoughts on, because this is a topic, and it literally, we could talk for hours, and I've just decided we've literally hit the hour mark. What we're going to do is we're going to go a bit longer, if you don't mind, and we're going to have to get Pat on for part two, 100%, because <laughs> we can talk for hours. It'd be a pleasure to come on for part two. But and I just want to touch on this whole the the flow because this is something i talk about with my with my mates this whole thing of if i can put out gratitude the idea that it might come back it these this idea of the flow of life of energy of whatever mm. you want to call it it's a topic that fascinates me and i'm no yeah. expert yeah but the idea that if we can be more of one thing sometimes more things of the same thing come back to us and yeah. this ties into kind of manifestation. I mean, that is a deep topic. Yeah, we're going there now, aren't we? But, but a, <laughs> abundance, manifestation, yeah. gratitude. I think it all ties together. I want to yeah. hear your thoughts on this. Yeah, it's, it's a big topic and it's a beautiful topic. And if you asked me three or four years ago, like, do you believe in manifestation, law of attraction, law of inspired action? I'm like, what are you talking about? That's all some hooky woo-woo crap. Get out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Um but having experienced it firsthand and seeing the power of it, like it's opened up my eyes because you're right. If we can be, everything is energy. Everything is vibration. I don't know the hard science of that, but you can find the science of that. Like that's been proven. And if we can, if we can operate on these same frequencies as gratitude and love, we attract more gratitude and love into our life. Because we're always manifesting. We're always calling something in. Whether that's from a place of fear, we're going to be calling in more fear into our lives. You can see that right now in the news and how people are responding right now. They're calling in more fear into their life. Um, I often say to people, what's happening in the world right now isn't fear. It doesn't create fear. We create it in ourselves and we're calling in more fear into our lives. We're manifesting that. We can flip the switch and manifest gratitude and more love. And it's just us operating on the same frequency as those things we want to call into our life. 
Um, and in order to operate on those frequencies, we have to let go of what's blocking us, which is often fear, guilt, and shame. I mean, I've got so many questions, and and honestly, this is these are this is like eye opening for me because this is a topic or an idea and that I talk to a lot of people about me and Pat talk about this all the time behind uh, podcast doors, but, <laughs> and friends of mine, it's so interesting because in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, with all, you know, and it, it comes up with what's going on in the world. Okay. I hear people I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. But Pat, I'm hearing you say about putting this stuff out, more stuff's coming back, but there are problems. There are all these problems. So mm. I can't just think happy thoughts, Pat, you know, this bad thing's happening. How do we deal with that? It's not, it's not about stopping this stuff or, you know, it, you know, go there. I'm not answering my own question. I was about to, but I realized <laughs> Pat's the um, expert. Do, do, does that make sense? What I'm trying to ask you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think it does. And what comes to my mind is looking at how I'm relating to the external personally what am i making it mean about me and how am i wrapping my identity around that external environment um that's why i've used this example to a few people two of us can watch the news side by side and the news is pretty fear-based nine times out of ten the stories aren't amazing yeah but me and you can watch the news and one of us is feeling dread and terror and the other one feels fine and just it's just falling off their shoulders they don't really it's not affecting them. It's because the news itself is inherently neutral, but the feelings within us are what is being triggered as we watch what's unfolding. Mm. So for one person, they're seeing fear and they're projecting more fear out into the world. So they're, they're, the, the glasses they wear every day are a fear-based lens, but the other person is wearing a peaceful gratitude. It's all going to be okay, or I'm certain within myself, mm-hmm. like lens. Mm-hmm. And it's that difference between what lens are you viewing the world through and what emotions are within you that is creating that perspective of the world will be the difference between what you call in and what you don't call in. Because mm-hmm. if all you see, I keep going back to fear, is fear, mm-hmm. then you'll call in more fear. And if all you see is love, you'll call in more love. So it's not about what's happening out there as it's more about what's happening in you. Mm, yes. I always talk about the lens we choose to see the world. Mm. So I love that you talked about that. I write emails on that all the time. Um, and that, you know, that ties into perspective and, and reframing and, and mm. yeah, I mean, that's, that's so fascinating. I've got so many questions around that. So the, the main thing, with with the grad so i love that you said by the way because i call it the dark side of gratitude that gratitude that it's from a place of yeah i'm happy if you know because it's not that bad um and we talked about how that's not necessarily the best approach um and also this is interesting and i want your ideas or, or thoughts on this in that sometimes that gratitude, the dark side, I call it, actually makes us feel worse. Because Pat's told me on Ed's podcast, I should be grateful. So then Mm. I'm going home and I'm thinking about all these things I've got in my life. But then a thought comes in that says, but Ed, you're still not happy. Well, you Mm. must be, there must be something really wrong with you now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
you hit the nail on the head there because you can't you can't we can't trick our subconscious mind yeah like it, it knows it knows what the truth is so we can tell ourselves oh, at least i'm grateful i have a job but in the background goes but you hate your job you don't like your job you want to leave your job so we're creating this sort of internal tension and this internal friction by again forcing that gratitude upon ourselves and we're not actually grateful for that thing mm. um or we're trying to be grateful for the sake of being grateful going back to that checkbox ticket off item um so yeah i'd encourage you to practice gratitude but only for what you are truly grateful for in your life that doesn't deny how you're actually feeling because that's where it gets that's the dark side of i'm grateful um even though melbourne's been in lockdown for 265 days at least i live in a nice city mm, but that denies the fact yeah that denies the fact that i feel pain and loss and suffering with what is occurring um so gratitude at the denial of how you're feeling creates disharmony in your system i love it and that's another form of disharmony like any form of disharmony and but it can be with gratitude which is seemingly mm. a real positive thing that everyone talks about but it's still disharmony i love i think that's amazing so for someone who wants to bring because you said pat and i'm just quoting you you said if i can if i give out more of this stuff some of it more will come back to me mm. someone's sitting at home thinking right well i want more good stuff i want some <laughs> of the bloody good stuff i want you know, I want good, more good feelings. I want to feel more alive. Mm. I want more abundance feeling, whatever that means. I want to be more great. I want, how do I do that? Where do I start? I've got my meditation. I know what I'm doing on my dog walks and with some guided stuff. Next level, manifestation, yeah. gratitude. What do I do about that? Well, I, I heard this from a teacher of mine once and it, it absolutely floored me. It was, like a, it was like a cricket bat to the face when I heard this and we're speaking about happiness and gratitude and he just asked the class what in you is resisting more happiness in your life and i almost froze i'm like i'm not resisting happiness like get out of here why would i be doing that and then actually sitting with it and thinking about it and feeling it. i'm like whoa i do resist happiness because i hold on to judgments i hold on to my fears and my stories and I have this need to do more work to try and achieve something. And all these things I've filled my life with are creating this resistance to truly being happy, to truly being more grateful. So it's time to go to work on all these things that are resisting my happiness. And once that starts to melt away or dissolve away, it creates a space for more of those feelings to naturally come in. And a lot of it has to do with going down to the trenches and feeling those feelings, feeling the sadness that's been buried away, feeling the shame that's been hidden away. Because if we can feel all that, we can feel a greater sense of the opposite emotions, a greater sense of happiness, a greater sense of peace. So we have to be willing to feel that full spectrum in order to get that full access to our happiness. I often say to people, to the degree you're willing to feel your true sadness with it will be the degree in which you rise into your happiness. And if you keep blocking it, you keep block one, you block the other. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's inspired me in the sense that I think, yeah, I don't really want, and I think I must, I can't be alone in this. 
there's there's two levels one a lot of people aren't aware of any, a lot of the stuff we're talking about that's the first thing you know we got to have a bit of an understanding as to why yeah. we're even doing this then the second bit is you're telling me now i want to i need to go and sit and cry and feel all these horrible negative things that i'm holding on to i don't want to do that i want to just mask it and i want to pretend yeah. to be fine but and, and and i'll be honest i'm sharing this you know, purely to be honest in my own journey i've probably avoided that because i've got a great friend as well james pride if you're listening shout out to you lovely bloke he talks about the bat cave which you use mm. the analogy of going down and deep the idea that you got to go into the bat cave and he used that from the movie batman when he goes in and he's just opening <laughs> up and all the bats are flying around him yeah, and it's a love it's a lovely idea of just yeah. going down into the cave and being okay with, even though it's scary, I get it, with what might come out. But then as mm. you so beautifully put, and I'm going to ruin it, you can't experience the full range unless we we allow ourselves to feel that other stuff. We're not going to get the other stuff, which yeah. is quote unquote, the good positive stuff. Wow. Yeah. So where do I start um, with that? Someone listening, you're telling me <laughs> I need to go and cry on my own now. W what's the first step of that? Uh, the first step of that um, for my own journey was just acknowledging that I, I feel things, especially as a guy. Like I, I sort of cut myself off from feeling for a long time. So I was acknowledging that, oh, I have emotions and that's okay. Mm. Um, and they're not as scary as I've made them out to be in my head. Um, so that's probably just the first thing, just to acknowledge that they exist and it's okay to have them. Mm. And secondly, it's knowing that you don't have to do this alone that's a big thing on this journey because it's not easy to go down into the back cave and sort of face that fear yeah. or face that grief that might be there so you've spoken about um therapists i've had a lot of meditation teachers support me on my journey so there's people out there that can early on provide you with the right framework and with the right tools and essentially skills to a later journey into that back cave safely and in a supportive network. So I'd encourage you not to do it alone. I mean, if you feel, feel confident to go into that back cave alone with a little torch, go for it, have a great time, um, enjoy the exploration, but yeah, you can seek help, um, on this journey in terms of, yeah, learning how to do it from people who have sort of taken that step already. That's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because something I talk about a lot on here, the, the importance of reaching out, the importance of asking for help, professional help, people that, you know, um, you know, as much as I think Pat's amazing and I, you know, think I'm all right too at my role, we're not therapists, we're not mm -hmm. trained professionals. So it's important to, to share that although a coach, a trainer, all these people can absolutely help with certain things, um, it's important to say that, you know, we're having a discussion today about things that have helped us on our journey. And, mm. you know, but Pat's makes such a good point. Support is there. And that's a great, great thing to use to go yeah. into the back the back cave. I love it. Wow. Um, that's amazing. I'm, I'm almost inclined to kind of press a pause here. And then we're going to pick this up because literally we could talk for hours and hours. No, I feel and like hours. we could keep going all afternoon. Right but now. we've we've gone an hour and fifteen minutes. So what we're going to do? We're going to pick it up from there. I mean that's perfect. We've covered some some meditation stuff, some 
mental health, getting some support. I think I want to dive in a bit more of the mental health stuff on part two. Mm, yeah. And we've talked about, you know, starting about gratitude and all this, this deep stuff about money. I think we've covered so much there. And what better place to stop part one with, you know, reaching out and asking for some support if you need yeah. it. Um, and, uh, and then we're going to pick it up from there and do a part two. Um, how do you feel about that? You feel like we've covered some great stuff today, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I feel like we've uh, we've covered a lot. And that is, like you said, a really nice spot to end on. Like, mm. There's all this stuff you can do. And that first step is to seek the support you need. And yeah. um, like I often yeah, tell wait. people, like, seeking out that support, it is, it's not a sign of weakness. It's like the strongest and most courageous thing you can do. So, yeah. And just on that, that doesn't mean a psychologist necessarily mm, or a therapist. Yeah, yeah. That literally might be as simple as joining one of Pat's, uh, and I'm recommending him because I know he's very good at what he does and it's the least I can do, but joining one of Pat's live live meditations. Um, yeah. You know, I use Headspace every morning, going and getting an app. So there are there's, there's so many variations to the yeah. support. We're not saying all of you people now need to go and book in a therapy session if you want to. <laughs> I think it's a bloody good thing to do. And I, I talk about it all the time, but where, you know, and whether that's reaching out and messaging one of us, if you want to discuss this a bit more, we're always open for that. So there's layers to support, but I think the idea being that hopefully this has played a little role in your life as a form of support of two blokes, just talking about some of the deep stuff, which is what I wanted this podcast to always be about. Yeah. Um, we'll have some lovely ladies on as well to, to my lady listeners, not just about guys, but um I think that's an amazing place. So before we stop this one, Pat, where can everyone find you? Because I know they're going to be like, I need more of this guy in my life. So what's the <laughs> best place that. to go? Um, best place is probably I run Instagram. That's where I'm probably most prevalent in terms of posting content and stories. And the live morning meditations are on there uh, on like generally Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So it's just at Pat Chirico, um, which is nice and easy. And yeah, you can find me there. Amazing. Well, listen, I'm not. We're not going to have a deep ending because you're coming back on in a week easily. Um, cool. Thank you so much for joining me, mate. I really ha appreciate your time and and your insights are always very uh, inspiring and they get me thinking more. And uh, and I'm very grateful to you as a friend, but also for you joining me today. It means the world. And I know this is if it records and I have to say that because I had a, a shocker last week this is going to change a lot of people's lives yeah. and I'm very grateful for your time so thank you no, thank you for having me brother I really appreciate it and I'm um, yeah, honoured to be on here wow so there we have it episode one of season two part one with Pat I really hope you enjoyed the episode um, there was quite a bit in there wasn't there but hopefully as I said at the start I really hope it uh, provided you with a lot of value and it opened your eyes a little bit and it made you think, not too much as we discussed on the pod, but made you think and made you understand a little bit more about this stuff. Um, because as I always talk about and we talk about on the show, awareness is a huge step to uh, improving your relationship with your own mind, the thinking mind, the observing mind, and all these sorts of things we talked about. Um, but don't be too worried if it was quite overwhelming and it went over your head. Um, it is a pretty deep topic, isn't it? And it's something that, as I said, I've been doing it for years and years and years, this understanding, this stuff, meditation, all these things we talked about. And I still don't know what I'm doing, and I'm still figuring it out. And I think that is the beauty of all this stuff. 
the power is in the practice and it's not about getting it necessarily. It's just about learning, growing, understanding and becoming more aware and conscious as you go day after day after day and enjoying the practice and enjoying all that the practice and that life has to offer in the present moment because that's all we ever have. Life is a series of present moments. Beautiful. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. As I say, please feel free to rate and review the show, share it with your family and your friends, and uh, I look forward to talking to you on the next one. Much love.